we'll start with D. Deandra Sanders is originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana and earned a Bachelor of Arts in English from Northwestern State University and currently serves as CEO of the Coach D Foundation. The Coach D Foundation's mission is to provide free or affordable resources to low income or underserved communities. The foundation has events that provide shoes, clothes, food, and hygiene products to the community. Currently, the foundation also has Coach D's closets at two local schools that provide uniforms to students in need. The foundation plans to, pro to begin providing programming for youth in 2021. That's Coach D. Hey guys. Next on the list, Miss Claire, the founder, board chair, and project coordinator. Most recently, Ms. Claire participated in the Farmers Training Program Cultivating Small Farm Success provided by Central Louisiana Economic Development Alliance, where she gained skills on how to cultivate a small farm with success, farm startup tools, right-sizing operations, and production tips for market growers. While living in California, her love of food prompted her to start her own catering business, Creole Catering, where she offered healthy versions of favorite Louisiana dishes. Ms. Claire has a wealth of knowledge gained from starting and running multiple businesses in food service, recruitment, and housing. When Ms. Claire returned to Natchitoches in 2003, she recognized that there was limited access to and education about healthy foods in her community. Ms. Claire founded the BDJ Center in 2015 to honor her late uncle, Mr. Johnson, who made a significant impact on the Natchitoches community. In honor of his spirit of giving and supporting the community, the BDJ Center addressed food access, unemployment, underemployment issues, and Natchitoches, all important factors in driving positive health outcomes. And last but not least, Kim Gallo, a proud graduate of Northwestern State University, current advocate for higher education and passionate leader about youth development. Kimberly K. Gallo founded the Kimberly K. Gallo Foundation to inform, influence, and inspire youth through educational programming and mentoring. With an emphasis on education, entrepreneurship, entertainment, the foundation aims to elevate the minds of youth to think big. Outside of developing leaders, Ms. Gallo works full-time in higher education as the Associate Athletic Director at Xavier University of Louisiana and enjoys bridging gaps with diverse populations with higher education. Thank you, Amy. Oops, sorry, there's a fire truck going by. Um, now, I am going to read off questions to our ladies, and I'm just going to call on each one of you guys and kind of in different terms to let y'all answer the questions um, equally. So I'm going to start with Miss Claire and ask, what inspired you to start your passion project? Okay, um, thank you. I um, was raised here in Natchitoches. And so this, I have a love for this community. And I moved to California where there were healthier options of, of food and living and just a lifestyle of living was, you know, so differently. And I really enjoyed that, but I wanted to um, give homage, come back home and give homage to my late uncle, Bendy Johnson, who was such a proponent of um, education and youth and a philanthropist in this town. And so this project is a passion project that encompasses everything that I believe. It, um, my love for my uncle, um, my love for food, and for community. Thank you, Ms. Claire. Kim? Thank y'all for having me first and foremost. Um, so I think what, what kind of inspired me to, to start this passion project is, um, really mentorship. So I, I know throughout my journey, not only in higher education, but also just in college, um, a lot of individuals from very diverse backgrounds have poured into me, um, into my successes, into my dreams and aspirations. So for me, it was about giving back, but not only giving back, giving back in areas that I knew I was passionate about, which was education, entertainment, and entrepreneurship. So that's how that um, got started. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Dee? I think mine got started more or less when I was little. Um, my mom was just, she was that lady who was okay with being everybody's mom. And my dad is a cop, so he was neighborhood dad. Um, he was stopping footsteps at the park or whatever it took to police the neighborhood. 
So my house was that place everybody went to be safe. Um, I came here, I became Coach D um, by working th- with Dallas Russell at the city. And it just was great. I adopted a kid when I got here as well. And he needed a lot of stuff. And it um, kind of woke me up. You never know how blessed you are as a kid until you see somebody who's worse off. And I couldn't imagine it. So I figured he's not the only kid. And I learned how many other kids are just like it. So I started fixing lives and it just kept rolling. Um, and I kind of snowballed into this Coach D. So. Awesome. Thank you, D. All right. Next question, ladies. What are some of the things you know now that you wish you'd known when you were getting started? And this one, I'm going to start with D and then go to Kim and then Miss Claire. I wish somebody had told me it's okay to make mistakes. So when I first got this idea, I was maybe 24, um, put it into action at about 25. I've had it about a year or so. So it's like, um, I don't know. I just wish somebody had told me it's okay. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask for help. Um, I felt like I had to do it all myself. And being fresh out of college, I couldn't afford it. So I was figuring it out all myself. I wish somebody had told me to ask a question and I tell all of my, um, the people who volunteer with me or whoever, just the younger kids, just ask me. If you're scared to ask anybody, I'm not gonna tell anybody, just ask me. So you could at least get some type of help, always reach out for help. Thank you, Dean. Um, two things um, I'm going to start with um, how enjoyable it is. So it, it feels so good to give back um, and really mentor important to youth. Um, so that's the first thing for me is, is I didn't realize how happy I would be doing this type of work on the side. Um, and the second thing is it's a process, right? So it's, it's not anything that you can do tomorrow and expect the fruits of your labor to really be, um, to be fruitful, right? So you have to really plan out um, what you're trying to do with sticking within the mission and the mindset of um, your resources for one that you that you have but also how can you um, expand yourself and network to to gain additional resources to start the foundation so it's definitely a process it's not anything that someone can just wake up and decide to do tomorrow <laughs> thank you kim miss claire um kim you took my first <laughs> but just, you know, I wish somebody would have told me to be a little pa- more patient with the process. Um, I'm not the most patient person, and I like to see, you know, the fruits of my labor pretty quickly. And um, so being more patient and understanding that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, the BDJ Center is not going to be built in a day. We're still... Um, pretty much in a, in a startup mode and I'm okay with that now. I've, I've learned to be more patient. And the other thing is that um, with the participants that we serve, um, I wish I would have known that, um, you, know, you know, that I would have to do more education to the people that we are trying to serve in terms of they don't know what they don't know and so convincing them that they need and would benefit from the program so that's been um that's been a challenge thank you miss claire and the next question is what would you say to a young professional who doesn't yet know what their passion is how does one go about pinpointing their passion and for this one i'm going to start with kim go to miss claire and then d um, this is my favorite question, by the way, because I feel like this is what I do day in and day out in higher ed. So um, for me, I've, I've always told those I serve, find something that makes you happy. Um, but not only that makes you happy, but something that that you're you're not going to lose sight of the end goal or the vision throughout that process. So I, I think sometimes we, we, we enjoy doing this one thing, but then we get burnt out because we do it so much. Right. So finding something that that enlightens your fire, that really motivates you to continue to push forward. Um, and for me, that has been mentorship because I knew how much I, my, my mentors poured into me. Um, so definitely find something that makes you happy, but also that keeps, keeps you like a hamster on the wheel and going and going and going. Thanks, Kim. Ms. Claire? Um, find something that um, warms your heart, that burns your heart. It's like, you know, what, what do I do that I would do if I didn't get paid to do it, right? And so, you know, if you're doing something that you really enjoy, that warms your heart, the money will come because 
your passion will, will flow out of that. And I think for me, um, it, was, it was food and doing it in a, a healthier way and um, serving. And so that's my passion. And that's what I would say that, uh, yeah, do something that warms your heart and that the end result, the financial part will come as long as you're doing something um, that you are passionate about. Very beautifully said. Dee? Um, I would just be to keep, keep trying. Like, you run into so many things. I went to college to be a teacher. Um, I changed my major to English, just regular English. I got out and I became a kid coach. And now I'm back in school to be an English teacher to get my certification. So, the you know, the circle turns. You just kind of go with it. Um, but in that, had I not went through what I went through, I wouldn't have figured out Coach D was in there. I would have just went to school to be a teacher and been Miss Sanders stuck in a classroom. So I've learned that I learned my passion through um, doing programming. So I would have never learned that had I not went through my life experience. Just walk through life, pay attention to what you're going to do anyways. And like Claire said, is if you'll do it for free, um, the money's going to come anyway. And if you have a good heart, what I've learned is the amount of support will overpour to your cup will overflow. So it's like, you just have all these problems or you have all these little things to tackle, just do them. And if you do them well, the support will come. Um, and if you ask for a little bit of help around the ways, you know, they help all the time too, but people figure it out, trust me. Thank you, Dee. All right, next question, ladies. From your experience, what has been the most effective way to spread the word about your nonprofit's mission? And for this one, I'm gonna go D, Claire, and then Kim. Um, I started word of mouth. At first, I didn't have an organization. I was just doing my Coach D thing. So I was doing all of my activities. I just wasn't calling myself or the organization anything. Um, and finally, somebody told me, maybe you should put that on paper. So that's one part of it. Um, but just word of mouth in the newspaper here. I know in Natchitoches, everybody reads the journal. Um, so I usually go through there. I actually just sent something through the journal and my donations went crazy. So that's how I got the donation word out. But really, I don't, I, I, I hung flyers a little bit, but I think people just know my face and they know my voice from the radio. So that helps. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. Ms. Clay? Um, word of mouth, definitely. Um, just getting out and, and talking to people. Um, I'm still surprised at the number of people that don't know that we're here, but um, with our, um, we just hired a brand ambassador. He's amazing and he's getting the word out and we're doing a lot of uh, social media campaigns. So that has um, really helped us. Thank you, Ms. Claire. Kim? I would have to say, so I actually started my nonprofit when I moved to New Orleans. Um, two things networking so i'm sure you, majority of you know i worked in fundraising at northwestern so i built really good and very tangible relationships with a lot of people um so definitely keeping those relationships going and, and checking in with people and letting them know what i have going on so networking first and then i would have to go with social media um it's funny because i, I really didn't and i'll get to this later on i guess in another question but um for my birthday i did a fundraiser and i was like i just want to fundraise 500 dollars to support a student scholarship and I actually tripled that because of the networks I've created and the, the relationships I've had uh, built with other people. So I was super, 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 and I have been super blessed in that, in that area to keep those relationships going. So definitely networking. And then second, of course, social media. Thank you, Kim. Did we do, D? I did? Yes, okay, sorry. Um, passion projects can probably get carried away pretty easily. How important do you think it is to dream big but start small? And for this this one, we're gonna go with Kim, D, and then Miss Claire. So um, I've, from personal experience, I've always been one to have a million projects on. I mean, D was in school. I me, mean, she can tell you we were always working on something, um, and that has been, um, I guess, my strength and my weakness in a sense. So for me. I've learned over my time working in higher education that I have to manage my expectations. So 
although I had this big dream of, I want to do a million and one things within this foundation, I had to be mindful and very conscious of, I don't want to just do any type of programming and it not be effective pro programming. So for me, it was managing what I was able to contribute to these programs along with my board, but um, being mindful of, is it going to make sense? So really managing the expectation for myself and for um, the results and the fruit of, of the foundation. Thank you, Kim. Um, I would say it is important to, to be patient um, and to go at a speed that's for you. And that's what I tell other people um, when I first became, well, I just, I don't know, I guess the word got out. Um, a lot of people started to call or just people who wanted to do the same thing. They just didn't know how. And I would tell them either you can go through me and I'll, I can do all the heavy lifting and you can get your feeling and put in your work. Or you can build your own organization and you can, I always let them go both ways, but I tell them only because I know it was really easy for me to get overwhelmed once everybody learned what I was doing and everybody already knew me. The donations came in, y'all, in truckloads. And I just could not keep up to the point to where I had to tell people, can you please just hold it just for, you know, two weeks or so so I can get some of this out. So it's very easy to get overwhelmed. And if you don't have the passion for their project, we'll drop it. So it's just, I wanted to do it. So I kept going and I kept going, but it's very easy to get overwhelmed. And when you do um, ask for help or take a second and step back, which is what I'm doing right now, I've spent most of 2020 getting my legal together. So getting through the IRS, tax returns, all of this great stuff. Now I can, those ideas that I was writing down while I was doing the bad work, I can now put into action. So it's about that and just being patient um patience 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 and like kim said we're used to this kind of chaos and it's still a lot on top of your job your social life everything else you have to do you know your church life or whatever to run a whole organization and in my world by myself i'm building a board now i wish somebody had told me that build a team <laughs> build a team you'll need it just um definitely just take your time. That's you got so much time, and it's people will always need, so they don't need it today all the time, you know. Very well said. I feel like a lot of that was quotable, there, <laughs> Miss Claire. Ask me the question again. <laughs> Sorry, I started talking and I didn't realize I was okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I can read that for you again. Passion projects can probably get carried away pretty easily. How important do you think it is to dream big but start small? Okay, okay. Um, so with that, a business plan. You should, you know, not start anything without a business plan. Um, and a nonprofit, um, a board. So a business plan and a board will help you um, drive your project and drive your metrics. Um, like I said in the beginning, you know, I'm not the most patient person. And so I try to push past that. But if you have someone to talk to, if you have a board to answer to and a business plan to look at, you can look at it and like pull your own breaks in terms of um, your project. It's very important to start um, with an objective, with a plan, and starting small and growing big. I think um, for us, even with the COVID this year, gave us an opportunity to kind of pull back and reassess um, our business plan and do some tweaking. So, you know, things were, we were shut down for a couple of months. And so that enabled us to kind of come back, review the plan. Are we on target? What do we need to do to regroup? To, to move forward. So, um, you know, there was a, a, if you can say a blessing in this, it was just a time to kind of quietly look at the plan and, and reestablish some, some objectives and goals. So I would tell anybody starting off, um, most definitely to start, see some successes in a small way and then and grow those successes. Um, to a larger outcome. Thank you, Ms. Clay. Mm -hmm. The next question is, how did you secure the funding to begin your passion project? 
and in what ways do you plan to maintain financial momentum? And for this one, we're going to start with Ms. Claire, then go to Kim, and then Jean. Okay. Well, I'm a lot older than most of you are, so I uh, had some savings, but, you know, the fortunate um, thing is that the building that we are in was uh, my uncle's, and so I had a, a good base to, you know, establish. So I had property, and I could go to a bank and get a loan based on that property, and so that was, you know, couldn't have done it without that, to be honest with you. And so, um, yeah, that's, um, so I would say um, having a, having if you have some uh, property that you could um, take to a bank and get an investment or a loan on, then that's the one way. The other way is establishing good relationships with the local banks here in Natchitoches. You know, people, they're looking for, um, and, you know, people to invest with here locally. And um, of course, you know, fundraising, we do a lot of fundraising online and door-to-door, um, -door, old school, going and knocking on doors, asking for um, donations and help. Thank you, Ms. Claire. Mm -hmm. Kim? I have to say, Ms. Claire, you're like, Listen, I'm, to be on a call, on a panel with you, I'm like eating this alive, okay? <laughs> so I appreciate what you said because I've like started thinking about some things. Um, for me, everything was out of pocket. Um, it was something I, I have an LLC, so it's something I, I kind of saved for, saved for. I didn't really know what expenses I would have early on. So to, to go back to an original question, you had an earlier question. Um, really, like Ms. Claire said, looking through the business plan and really identifying what you're going to need to start the foundation and to launch it. It helps you uh, be a bit more organized and structured. So it was out of pocket for me. Um, in terms of fundraising, of course, my previous job, I fundraised full-time. So I understood um, how to fundraise, how to build relationships. And my first fundraiser was a Facebook fundraiser for my birthday. Um, and, and so what I did was, you know, I've, I've always been a firm believer of if you have, if you're going to ask for donations, you have to give somewhere too. So I knew in order for me to continue to, to live this mission of philanthropy, I had to start pouring into other spaces. And I was, I still do at Northwestern. So that has been the, the ground that I've st stood on. So if you support what we have going on, I would, you know, it, that's always my pitch is if you enjoy what we're doing and you see the fruits of, of what can come of this, um, can you financially support what we're doing? And, and so that has been, um, I guess, my go-to in sense of a pitch and fundraising is it's fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. You know, I was that, um, Maggie knows, I was the, the, the cold caller that, that's going to call and ask and figure out what's your passion, what you're passionate about at the institution and how can I match your dollars with what you really believe in and support. So um, for me, out of pocket and then fundraising has been my main source of income for now. Yeah. I'll, I'll add something too, um, in terms of fundraising and, and asking, you know, my, my day job is I'm a recruiter and so I've been a, a recruiter for years. And so we were always taught in this business, it's sales. And so, you know, what, one yes, expect to hear seven no's and one yes. So don't get upset if somebody says no the first time or the second time or the third time, just keep going back. I mean, don't be a nuisance, but you know, <laughs> you have to uh, appreciate a no is that you're getting that much closer to a yes. I wrote that one down. <laughs> um, I started mine out of pocket as well. And then I kind of did the same thing that Kim did. I put something on Facebook. I found a family of like seven kids or something. Um, I want no, I want to say it's eight of them, and they couldn't afford school shoes. So what I did was, um, I basically just I I put it on Facebook, and then all sorry, it's a lot going on in my background. I got a German Shepherd. I don't know if y'all can hear that, but she is having a fit over here. Um, but I put that on Facebook. I end up buying way more kids shoes than I intended to. I think I intended to buy four of them shoes, maybe. And then I ended up with way enough money to buy seven or eight of them shoes. But that got so much momentum that even after I put out the video of me buying the kids' shoes, more people wanted to donate. I think Kim was one of them when I first started. Um, like when I first put my logo out, she was just ready to hand me money because she knew me. So 
it's just building relationships like that. Um, after a while, I started to write sponsorships. So I have a few of those too. And then I plan to write grants now that I've got to do the IRS. But um, that funding is a hard part. So if you're not ready for the hard part, you kind of just, but the thing is, if you put the passion onto the fundraising, it'll make it so much easier. It's so easy for me to ask people for money for kids because I know I can sit there and explain to them exactly, or I can show them pictures of the kids it's going to go to, you know, because I'm that personal with the organization. And that's really important. And people just, they give to what they love and what they believe in. It's not very hard as long as they already like you or they already like what you're doing. Um, it's coming a little bit too fast for me right now, which is a good thing. So if you want to give me some money, I'm always here. <laughs> perfect pitch, D. Perfect. That is spot on. <laughs> Thank you, D. So I'm going to ask just for so the audience knows. I'm going to ask two more questions, and then we're going to open up to questions from the audience. Um, so the next question is, how have you had to be creative during COVID? And y'all kind of touched on this, but maybe want to expand on it a little bit more. Um, and for this question, I'm going to go in order of D, Claire, and then Kim. COVID, um, it undid my whole way of having Coach D's closets. So basically, um, it pushed it back, of course, like two months. So we're already in the middle of the summer giving out summer clothes. So that's kind of iffy because most people have figured out what they're going to do. They've cut those pants into shorts by now and it's done. So either that um, or we basically, the way I have Coach D's closets is I take portable closets to the park. And I let people come and shop in them. Of course, I just control how many people's in the closet at once so it doesn't get too cluttered or chaotic. Um, but that can't happen because everybody can't touch the same things and people can't be that close to each other. And it just would be mayhem to disinfect every time somebody touched a rack. So what we did was we made pre-assorted bags and we, made, we added food to it because that's a new struggle. Before, people were okay, you know, food has always been a struggle, but they were okay, and there's other people like Claire who was helping people with food, so I kind of stayed away from that one and just plugged where I needed, but once this happened, I know a lot of people are going into um, unfortunate situations, so I gave out food, but I went to Brookshire's, and I asked them for some bags, well, I have a connect in Brookshire's that asked for some bags for me, and I just, it was almost like a brown paper bag system, that way nobody's embarrassed, Everybody's picking up a bag. Nobody knows who has what in their bag. And we just made them fit. So if your kid wore a size seven, you come up and you say, I need a size seven. We hand you a seven boys and a bag of food. And it was just that easy. But it was a lot of thinking and a lot more manpower. The two nights before I stayed up all night because I was used to it being an easy process and not separating by size, but separating by gender. And those are two different beasts. So it, it was a problem, um, but we quickly fixed it and tried not to show it to the public. And we did have enough to, you know, touch the 150 plus people that came to the events for Juneteenth. So it worked out, but it was very hard. Thank you, Dee. Ms. Clay? A couple of things that we had to do. One was, um, so it's a, a school environment, right? And so we had to dismiss the students um, for a while, but we were able to do some online instruction with them. Um, well, some of them are, are working on their HICEPs, and so they were able to do that online. We, we found um, uh, some of them did not have uh, Wi-Fi, so I think it's Verizon or someone had the hotspot for $5, and so we purchased that for them so they could do their classroom um, work um, online, um, remotely. Um, we had to close the cafe uh, for a while, but we were able to um, get a, a, a catering gig to, to keep the lights on while we were closed. So that was, um, it was a blessing. And um, the other part was we wrote a, I wrote a grant for um, United Way. And um, that way we were able to help the community and give them food. So we did a, a food drive one day and we had like, um, like Dee was saying, so we had a brown bag and um, 
partnered with Super One and Chicken and I mean, just all, it was really nice. So um, we were still able to give back to the community even though we were, we were closed. So um, a lot of moving parts, but we were able to maneuver through it and um, we're back open now and we're looking forward to hopefully um, August 13th, we'll have a new cohort depending on how everything goes with, with um, um, COVID-19. Thank you, Ms. Claire. Kim? Mm -hmm. So for me, um, for, our fund, for my foundation, it's been, like Ms. Claire, a lot of virtual learning. Um, so I launched in February and I was trying to find a way to, to help high school students transition to college. Um, so there, senior year has been cut short um and, and sometimes we, we say that but it's it's no prom it's no formal graduation it's, it's a lot of things that they're gonna miss in that transition and so i was trying to find a way to support them not only financially but um pouring into them through mentorship and through a learning experience about what can what you can expect going into college as a freshman so i launched a program um virtually it's an eight-week program we meet every sunday um they're assigned a mentor um they, they're assigned homework each week and they have presentations on eight different topics of love and relationship, how to navigate through, um, you know, dating throughout college. So it's it's real life situations. It isn't just about you know how to study, right? That that's that's you know, anyone can teach you that, but it's how do you navigate through um, networking? What's the you know how do you get involved in college and, and expound on that once you graduate? That transition piece. I've always been really passionate about how to help individuals move from their season to season. And so what we did was we launched this program. Um, it's been great. Again, my first fundraiser was on Facebook. Um, I received like $1,600 from it to help fund the program. Um, a book is included. Um, and again, a lot of the platforms we're using online cost. So it's, that's where the, the donations have been used towards is, is ensuring that they're having an enjoyable experience as though as if we're meeting in person. Um, and they, I've had, luckily I've had so many different individuals um, asked to be, to serve as mentors for them. So I matched each participant with a mentor based on personality, um, but also based on major. So they have someone to look to, um, if they're in the sciences, they can, like I have one individual, she's in biology pre-med at Xavier. Um, so her mentor is a doctor from Texas, from Dallas area. And so she's able, she's required to meet with them throughout the program, but it's also another, another form of networking um, earlier on so that she has that support of understanding what you're getting yourself into for that next transition of after college. So for us, it's been a lot of virtual learning. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to meet my participants just yet in person, but I hope to soon. So hopefully COVID will die down, take its course, and then we'll move forward. But um, I think it's forced everyone in any, any and every industry to, to understand the importance of technology and to really use it to our advantage. Um, free resources and resources that cost as well. So a lot of virtual learning. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. So, and uh, the last question that I have, where can people learn more about your foundation and how can people support you either with their time or with their funds? And for this one, we're going to start with Kim and then Dee and then Claire. So um, my website is KimberlyKGallo.com and under that I have a tab for the specific program that operates under our foundation um, and it's called the Let Her Rise program. And on there you can either serve as a mentor or you'll be assigned with um, a mentee and then also support financially, which is ran through a third party um, and the contribution is, is, is done that way. Um, so those are the two ways, but outside of that, having conversations with, with me about, you know, what's next, what are people needing? Um, I think a lot, I'm solely working in higher ed, so I see a lot of the transitional pieces of higher ed only um, versus like, D, you know, there are ways we can partner with youth development from an earlier stage of, of the educational piece. Same thing for Ms. Claire. Um, now that we are in this virtual space, how can we connect with other people in other, in, in other um, cities who have nonprofits to ensure we're continuing to move that moving to ensure we're moving the needle forward earlier on versus just in high school towards college. So those are the two ways on the website. It's, it's all on there. KimberlyKGallo.com. Thanks, Kim. Um, I have an account on all social media. Uh, Facebook, the Coach D Foundation. Um, Google it. Uh, journals, something should pop up. Maybe some necklace times in there somewhere. I heard I I seen that somewhere um, that I was in a negative times, which is crazy sometimes when that kind of thing happens. But Facebook, Instagram, um, I have an email. 
I usually use Cash App, but right now I'm working on um, getting a software. And I just got a, a intern slash volunteer of business from the business department. So website coming soon. He'll be doing all that good stuff for me that I don't have time to do. Um, but so I'll have a website coming soon. But Facebook is my thing. Facebook is where I started this all. It started on my Facebook and I created a Facebook for the Coach D Foundation. So I live by it. I think you could probably start a million dollar business right there on Facebook, you know, which is crazy to think about. But that's how they can find me. Um, or just honestly ask around. Somebody will know where I am. I'm always running, zipping here or there. So, thank you, D. Ms. Clay. Um, you could go to our website, which is bdjcenter.org, and donate. Or there's a, a tab to donate. There's a tab to volunteer. There's a tab to refer students. So the main. Um, objective of our uh, nonprofit is to transform life and build communities. And we do that through food. So eating at our cafe. So every dollar that goes, that you spend at the cafe goes back into um, the nonprofit for the benefit of the participants. The participants are 17 to 24, out of work, out of school. And it's a 16 week program where we're teaching them life skills and trying to remove any barriers that would prevent them from employment. So if you know someone that is in that age group, that's another way that you can help. Um, 17 to 24, out of work, out of school, and may have some type of life barriers. Um, the other way that you can help us is to volunteer. We're always looking for volunteers in so many different aspects. Um, uh, teaching, working in our garden, our garden, we use the produce uh, from the garden in the cafe. So we're trying to be as fresh and local as possible at the cafe. So um, volunteering, donating your time, donating money, and um, by eating at our cafe, the Legacy Cafe is open from 7.30 to 2, um, Monday through Friday. And um, I think we have a pretty outstanding menu. It's a uh, um, soup, sandwiches, and salads, and we usually have a daily special, and we have, um, our pastries are made from scratch, so that's my, that's how you can help us. And their food is where it's at, y'all. If y'all haven't had Legacy yet, that is the best food. Thank you, thank you. Kim, when you come back to town, you gotta come by, check us out. I am. I actually um, left like right when you guys were probably like two or three months in and I was like, man, I'm going to miss this. I had it once though and it was really good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now we'll open it up to any questions. Um, you can address questions to any one participant or if you want to ask one question of all participants, either way. Um, does anybody have any questions? Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have a question, but it's not prepared right now. I, I don't want this to end, so just give me a second. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people on here. Uh, this is a, a well-attended session, so I know that there's some interest here, and I feel like we all have, um, we are all working in areas that we're passionate about, whether it's um, our, our volunteer work or our uh, philanthropy or our jobs. Um, I, I guess the only thing I'll say right now is uh, if any of you haven't seen some of the other sessions, this really kind of ties a lot of it back together. Mm -hmm. um, like the uh, startup and grow process had a lot of topics that we're talking about kind of how to start a business. And you guys were talking on the panel about how you started your foundation. And a lot of that kind of overlapped. Um, and could work for either a business or a nonprofit. So that is a good one to check out. Um, we talked about nonprofit and uh, not nonprofit, but uh, volunteering and how that can benefit you professionally. So this kind of ties all that in. Um, great job to the panel. I'm so excited y'all could be here and uh, know that everybody is going to take away something important. Thanks, Laura. I have a question for everybody. Do you all think you had like one big challenge you ever had to overcome or like a defining moment when you were like starting or running your organization? And like, what was it and how did you overcome it? 
I think mine was when I left the city. Um, I did programming at the city, which is how I developed Coach D. Because, y'all, honestly, I'm not really a coach. Like, I hadn't coached a sport, really. Um, I just wore a whistle, and I taught a PE class. So the kids, of course, I'm the girl with the whistle, so she's a coach. And that's just how it kept going. And eventually, I, it just stuck. No, I don't even think half of the adults I know know my real name, but that's because the Coach D thing has that big of a <clears> – you see what I'm saying? So. I think that was my defining moment when I left the city and I went to another job. It didn't pertain to necessarily what, well, I was helping the community still in a different capacity and I had to decide, am I going to let this go until I go back with kids and then just let them call me Coach D or am I going to keep going? And then I had to decide, am I going to, do I care about this enough to go on it on my own dime when I don't have a lot of dimes? So I did that too. So, and, and that's what puts the passion in it. So, I think that was my big thing to overcome. Like, am I really going to keep pushing this or am I just going to let it die out? And I decided, no, you can't let that die out. And then it went amazingly. So, thanks, D. I think for me, um, defining moment is making the right hires. If you make a wrong hire in business, it could ruin your business. And so just um, being diligent with hiring people and surrounding yourself with people that have your passion, have understand what your passion is and share your mission. So just being able to, you know, weed out the people and the things that would get in your way from your objectives. <laughs> um, mine would have to be I need help right so when I I've always been one to just kind of do it like Kim just figure it out it'll come it'll come together right and I was I remember getting letters from the IRS and I'm like I don't know what this means <laughs> and I'm sure D can relate so I had to like hire a consultant in New Orleans to consult me through this process of getting through the IRS and it was not easy and it's a lot of terminology and making sure you're falling under the right um, umbrella and making sure you, you have all the documentation. So like with my LLC, I did all that on my own with the help of Howard Connolly. Shout out to Howard. He, he's a good guy. So he helped me. But in terms of managing, like I, I did that part for the LLC. Now, my nonprofit, y'all, if you're, if you're considering doing that, either hire someone to help you walk you through that process. <laughs> Dee shaking her head like, yes. Or I really do some research on what it's going to take to get to that point. And I actually started the, the paperwork in November. So this was, it took some time um, to hear back. Like they give you a grace period in a window um, and understand, again, you're not going to hear back tomorrow of if you're approved. Um, now the state process was, was a bit quicker, but the IRS, y'all, don't play, don't play with the IRS, okay? <laughs> so for me, it was, I need help. Um, it's okay to ask for help and um, keep that help. So I, although I hired a consultant to help me with it, um, that relationship is still is still there. And, and she's allowed for me to, to give her calls and talk through what am I needing for the board? How should I select a board? Um, I can share some resources with you all that I've, I've used. I've looked at a lot of blogs. Um, there's a company called Resilia out here. Um, it was founded by a young lady named Savitri Wilson, um, who has an extensive background in, not, in corporate nonprofit. So um, it, it's been it's been interesting so do your research talk to people um, learn from people's experience and and really um hire help if you don't have it so it was i need help y'all i can't do everything <laughs> that was my life-changing moment can you send me that uh contact information i need her help as well <laughs> <laughs> i will and what i did to give you some context was i just did a consultation with her or with okay. her company and then she they forward you a whole bunch of resources and, and how to navigate through the startup process but i would that's cool okay Making connections, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I have a question, and uh, this might be to all of you. I know, Claire, you have uh, another company besides the Bendy, BDJ2, um, but for sure for uh, Dee and Kim, how do you balance a full-time job with this passion project? You don't sleep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> at all okay um, <laughs> for me 
I, I enjoy project management. So I love delegating because I feel like I'm, again, helping someone else understand organizational chaos in a sense, right? But organization and instruction, right? So for me, it's been, um, I schedule everything. So I schedule appointments with people to connect with them. Um, and I'm, I'm very conscious of people's time. So I don't just pick up the phone and call not knowing what they have going on. And in the day and age of, day and age of COVID, um, I try to protect my peace as much as possible in there. So for me, it's um, planning. So it's funny. So I do have a nine to five, y'all. Um, but I've scheduled emails. Like Google allows me to schedule my emails to, <laughs> to my student athletes, to my um, boss. I schedule, schedule, schedule. I mean, I block off time for everything, everything that I have going on and everything that I'm working on. The hardest part is, um, like, for me, we're, pre we're preparing for going back on campus is once I'm back in, I guess, really emerging my full-time job, how I'm going to manage the nonprofit. So what I've done is I know my peak season with my nonprofit now is the summer because that's when my program really exists the most. Um, and I also know my fundraising window because of working in fundraising so long is the end of the year, beginning of next year. So I, I know I have to prepare in another six months to begin a campaign or fundraising in some capacity. So it's, it's forward thinking. It's a lot of planning. And it's also, again, asking for help and, and finding individuals who are looking for the opportunity, especially college students, and looking to um, free labor, right? So hiring people who need experience, who can benefit me in the areas that I lack in. Um, to, I hope that answers your question. I know it's like threefold. Um, I would say mine, I was trying to think while she was talking, just, um, give me that question one more time. I was asking about balancing a day job with a, with the passion project. Like how, there's not, there's only 24 hours in a day. How do you balance it all? So just those two elements. Like, remember, I came to your office and you asked me, um, do I sleep or whatever? Or, you know, when do I sleep? Um, like Claire said, I kind of don't. So I guess I was thinking about, like, honestly, all the ties that I have, y'all, y'all know, it's, it's too much um, sometimes. It, it's kind of like I ran into uh, our last meeting, uh, Natalie's Young Professionals, I think. I ran into the meeting late and had to leave a little bit before it was over. And that happens a lot, y'all. Like, things kind of run into each other, but like Kim said, I'm just learning to um, the importance of a calendar and keeping all this stuff, uh, especially with donations and stuff. And with a nine to five, it's kind of important to see if it'll go with, because I mean, if I was at the city, this would be great. But when I was at outpatient, it's a little harder um, to transition. So I have on a button down. I can't just run to the park, you know, right after work and begin being coach d i have to do all these extra things um so that was kind of my problem but i think the harder part is not with my job it's with everything else because everybody else wants your out of work time nobody bothers you while you're at work you see what i'm saying so that little space of time that you have to yourself you have to also remember to save some for yourself that's what i didn't do and very quickly i started to just not like people and i'm a people person it was just like, people get away. People are knocking on my door. They're calling my phone. It just, it was chaos. I locked myself in the house for about two days just to get past that because I didn't save any time for myself. So I would say that having on the five to pay your bills, do your passion project to make you happy, but leave some time for yourself and um, just tell people, y'all, I don't have time. And they understand, trust me. Uh, that also kind of wraps back in with some other of the talks. If y'all haven't seen them all uh, from LYPC, Brent Henley, one of the quotes I pulled out at one of his talks was, um, burnout is the death of ambition. <laughs> it's like you can't do anymore if you have nothing more to give. So to that point, you do have to take care of yourself, I guess. Thank y'all for that. I, have a, I don't know if we're supposed to ask questions. But um, like what I guess what is something else? I know me, Kim, and Claire, we all look at each other and go, "Oh, that's awesome!" Or, "Man, she should do this." Like, what is one thing that you guys are listening to us, looking at us, saying, "Wow, this is something that I hadn't heard," or something I want to see happen in my community, um, so we can possibly get that ball rolling. I'm just so amazed by all three of you. 
Like I am in awe of the work that you do, but the fact that you got these things going initially and have kept them going, the momentum, um, I don't know about other needs in the community that need to be addressed, but I just think that all three of you do a bang up job of doing what you love and making stuff happen to make the world a better place. You're so sweet, Maggie. Oh. <laughs> I will say, I think today was like such a good opportunity to hear all of your stories. And like, I was privileged enough to like read your bios beforehand. And I feel like knowing more about you all would like help resonate people with your organizations and like maybe attract more volunteers. Like I didn't know Miss Claire lived in California and I'm from California. And so I like really resonated with that story. And I was like, I want to volunteer. Like I want to be a part of that like I love food so like maybe just like telling your story more and like it'll just help you all find more people who like share that same passion and mission and I think like you all are so great so share yourselves with everybody else and like let us all be a part of it you know it's not it's not a shame to ask for help and be like we're doing great things and you can too that's so true Amy I feel like more and more marketing for businesses are highlighting the people behind the businesses Maggie and I were just talking about this I forget uh, how that came about but it's it's telling the story oh no I was talking to somebody else about hometown the HDTV show hometown and they and they redo homes for people but they don't just redo the home and stick them in there they say this home belonged to Laura Lyles since 30, 300 years ago or whatever, and it lived in their family until this time, and now we're turning over to this family. So they really put that, um, a person, attach a human being to it, and it really just personalizes the mission so much. So um, that's true. When you, have, uh, when you have some amazing leading ladies out there, the story is very compelling. That's a good point. I'm going to kind of I guess add to what you're saying. I think the hardest part of being or of having a nonprofit is is um take putting yourself more in the equation. So so for advocating for who you are. I think we, we do this work because we're passionate about how to help others and we don't do enough branding for ourselves. So it's it's funny y'all are saying that because I was like, you know, it's I struggle with that of I don't want to I don't want to be the face of my foundation, although it's my name, it's more so of the legacy that's coming behind it versus it being about me as an individual. So um, I appreciate y'all telling me that because it's kind of that confirmation and affirmation that maybe I should start saying how I got to the point that I am more because you, you never know who, who you can inspire for those who might want to start a nonprofit or they can, like you said, help. So I appreciate you all's comments on that part for sure. I have a one other question that I thought about for y'all. Have y'all had a really rewarding moment where you were like, this is it. This is why I do what I do. This makes everything worth it. The sleepless nights, having to deal with the IRS paperwork, all of it is worth it because of this moment. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take that one. I may have one, two stories. But um, one student, when we were doing our recruitment, this young lady was just walking down the sidewalk, head was down. And we come in and, and talk to us, you know, and we got her signed up with the program, but, you know, she didn't really want to do it because she didn't understand it, but she was just doing nothing, basically. Um, she was pregnant, as you can still be in the program. And um, as I watched her growth, I may get choked up telling you guys this story. As I watched her growth, you know, her head was down, and then you could just see week by week her head raising up and her feeling her worth. And she graduated from the program. She got a job and uh, she came back. She said uh, a few weeks later, she was at Alliance. She didn't want to be in food service. She liked it, but um, let me back up with her story. She bought, she was walking from East Nagash. She bought a bicycle to come to school with her stipend that she was earning through the program. She graduated from the program, she got a job at Alliance, and then she came back a few weeks later, Miss Claire, I'm gonna go to welding school, I'm gonna be a welder, I'm gonna make a lot of money. So that kind of story, that makes it all worthwhile for, for this program, for me, um, individually and the program, so 
That's my story. <laughs> That's why we do what we do. That's good, Miss Claire. I, I can't wait to get to the point of, of where, where you all are now, where you are at now in terms of the foundation growing. Um, for me, it was probably just seeing the, seeing the comments that I received after, after from the participants in our summer program um, of how much they enjoyed and how much they talked to their mentors. And again, they're, they're, they are forced to talk to them twice throughout the program, but it's ongoing conversations. It isn't just those two conversations. They're, they're texting them, they're calling them, they're scheduling FaceTime calls. Um, and really seeing that, you know, one young lady said, I would never ask my parents the questions I'm asking my mentor or, or you all because they, it's the level of comfort that we've, we've, um, we've created that safe space for them to ask questions that they otherwise probably wouldn't ask a parent or a guardian. So for me, it's been that I'm sure I'll get to see more once they finish the program and they're off to college and seeing all the amazing things they do in school. So it's, it's been seeing them week by week grow. The first week, they said all of two words. And now I can't get them off the Zoom call, y'all. It's like a two-hour call, and I'm like, hold on now. <laughs> but I love it because it shows that they're actually engaged and they're, they're comfortable talking about mental health and mental issues and resources on campus that you can identify as a freshman. Um, so for me, it's seeing them grow together. And I can't wait to see what, what happens after that. So. Um, I think mine would have to be when I first started, uh, I noticed that kids always wanted to dress like me. And um, I used to love sneakers. Um, now that I have to pay for them myself, I don't really buy so many anymore. But when dad was paying for them, I used to buy a lot of sneakers and a lot of hats. Well, the kids got fascinated with the fact that I always had on a hat. So if they had on a hat, they were automatically dressed like Coach D. And I don't understand you know, how those two connect with each other, but it made me realize that kids are mimicking me. So when I would do stuff, maybe at Portable Park or even after at my event, I'm giving out food. There's always a little person next to me, like repeating the same thing that I'm doing. So that kind of, I don't know, it makes me all soft inside. And um, there's a guy who lives in some apartments uh, in the housing authority right down the street from where I live. And one day I was giving out food and um, I was telling some kids or something how I grow my garden in my yard. And he told me I couldn't grow things. So, of course, when I got my produce, he's just an old guy picking on me. Um, I took him some. So I actually just delivered some to him yesterday. So now, on a regular basis, I take this person food and it just makes me happy. So those little, it's a million of them. Um, but I think those are two that stuck out to me. And... I don't know. I still talk to him all the time. Um, I have other people come by and they stop if they see me in the garden and stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that touches my heart. Um, one lady said I inspire her. I got tires in my garden. It's a beautiful garden if you guys hadn't saw on Facebook. But those types of things make me happy. Um, and the little girl that Claire is talking about, I think I know who she's talking about. Um, I met her too, a beautiful young lady, and I'm glad she got to that point. Um, I hadn't heard about her in a while since she was in Claire's program but she's a beautiful young lady and that's great that she got to, to the point to where it almost makes me emotional because I met her very early on um and I watched her process as well so that let me know that that organization does work um and some people are rough around the edges you know sometimes people don't want to be around those undesirables and just to turn one around like that is just amazing um, so I hope she does get a welding license and I hope she makes a lot of money. <laughs> yes, me too, D. <laughs> oh, y'all are making me emotional. All y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Laura's crying. It doesn't take much for Laura to cry, though, y'all. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Y'all remember the, it's an old SNL skit. I'm getting a little verklempt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, That's they, what passion projects do to you, Laura. <laughs> are there any other questions from our audience members? All right. Well, I guess we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up. Thank you, all three of you, so, so much. It was fun. Oh, we do have a comment from Mario and Courtney. Mario said, all you ladies are amazing and inspirational. Couldn't agree more. Okay, Mario and Courtney. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So 
Thank you all so much for being here. Um, and to all of my participants, I hope to see you all at the noon session um, for our final session of the conference. Um, and hope you all have a great rest of your day. Thank you, guys. Thank you.